0: dangling my feet i tried to pay attention but attention paid me haters can't see me nosebleed seats and today i went shopping and talk is still cheap what's up and how we doing everybody welcome back to the nosebleed seats podcast i'm your host matt don't wait up fiori and as always my co-host <laughs> the man so cool one name wasn't enough liam the insider mufasa mccarran this is episode number 37 so liam a little guest uh with us today.
1: Yeah, well a mild a mild guest. We're... The uh the Andy Dalton of guests.
0: <laughs> we're uh welcoming on our friend Devin Weaver. Uh you all might know him, our listeners. Um, we are having him on. Um it's his debut on the pod. Um, we're going to be talking some Celtics and Patriots, but first off another reason why We've asked him to join us today is because we have decided to expand, expand our brand a little bit here. Um, After talking, uh, me and Liam are uh, welcoming on a few new faces to our squad, Devin being one and Austin Anderson. Uh, We've talked to him before. Obviously, uh, you all know him, I'm sure. Uh, We're going to be doing, obviously, the podcast Um, but with that, we're going to be opening up a blog as well. So look out for that. It'll be probably, we're going to be using it, um, more so with headlines, breaking news, stuff like that, things that, um, we can't get on the mic as fast. So we will be doing that, um, website might be a thing, um, something where all of our links will be posted podcast blogs uh everything else obviously will still be on twitter and all that so uh we're excited definitely we've uh been talking about it for a bit um so dev how are we
2: i'm doing good guys what's up how we doing
0: not too bad not too bad so, excited to be on yeah excited to have you so um like i said we're gonna open it up right away here now Um, we'll start off with some Patriots talk, uh, kind of the team uh, worth opening up with here, um, as they fall to the Houston Texans, uh, record now going to four and six. Um, I mean, it was just, it was the week you had to win. Uh, you beat the Ravens a game, by the way, I called, I called since week one. I'm saying that now, (laughs) Ravens. Ravens, baby team, fraud team. Um, But you beat the Ravens on a, on a big, big Sunday night football game in Gillette, in the rain, crazy, crazy conditions. You come out with a win, and you have the football world saying, are the Patriots making a run here? Are the Patriots going to somehow squeak into the playoffs, especially with that expanded playoffs this year? And everyone – You you listen to sports radio, you listen to, uh, all like the media, the people, Pat's insiders on Twitter. And this was a game where most of these people kind of just skipped. They said, Oh yeah, the Pats are going to beat the three and seven Texans like the two and seven Texans. Uh, I mean, this Texans team is still awfully good on paper, especially in comparison to your team. So I don't want to keep talking. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll open it up to Liam first and we'll get to you, Dev. Liam thoughts on the game, um, thoughts on the rest of the year. Is the year officially over?
1: Um, yeah, you no, know, it was uh, definitely a tough game. Um, I don't know why McDaniels and Newton went away from the run game, uh, considering it's the run game has been our strength the entire season. And it seemed like we had a more pass happy attack on Sunday, but, I uh, I mean, you summed it up, Houston's a good team. It's just they don't have a good record. it's I know that doesn't really make sense, but Houston does have the pieces to be a good team. It's just they're being run by a idiot for the first half of the season, and now they're starting to show signs of the actual competent team yep um yeah, this one definitely hurt. We kind of needed this one to. Stay into that uh, we-control-our-own-destiny type of situation. And once, if we won this game, it would be 5-5. Five and five, And it's just like, oh, it's a brand-new season at 5-5. Five and five. We can figure it out from there. Now we're dipped two games below 500. And best-case scenario is 10-6. Uh, is 10-6 going to be enough to get into the playoffs? Probably. But will we win out? That's... That's the question. But I don't think this season's over, though. Um, it's going to be really hard. We might have to win out, maybe can only afford to lose one more. But I and We need to make sure we win the divisional games. But I do not think this season's over. And I think this is a team that isn't going to say, like, oh, it's just packing up. It's over. I think we're going to fight to the very end, even if it's for nothing.
2: Throw it over to you, Dutch. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Liam on the whole running game thing. I think they have such a weapon in uh, Cam Newton and Damian Harris that they it's almost like they can't just shy away from that, even if they performed well in the passing game. Like uh, Bill Belichick kind of defended that, saying that they almost threw for 350 yards, even though one of them was just a 50-yard Hail Mary. But um, I do think 11 touches to Damian Harris is a – a bit short, especially with how great he's been running and how you can run play action off of it, Um, especially against the, uh, I don't know, bottom three run defense in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, But overall, I do agree with you that they're, I think we took the game a little too uh, nonchalantly. They're kind of like the Chargers, the Texans are kind of like not a very good team in terms of record, but they can, they're scary. They're definitely scary. They've got the talent. But uh, I do think that the, pay- the Patriots can make a, a late-season playoff run, especially, like you said, with the uh, expanded playoff scene. But I think they just need to utilize the pieces that they have in the best ways that they can. Mm-hmm. And um, that includes getting Damian Harris going early and often and tossing it off to James White for some quick screens. But one thing that a lot of people are overlooking is how good Cam Newton is on the deep ball. And I mean, I think that showed really well with uh, deep ball to Damian Bird, um, some deep shots to Jacoby Meyer. But uh, over, yeah, I, I, I do think that they can make a late pu- uh, playoff push, but they're going to need to put every ounce of energy that they have into these last games. But,
0: um, this There's one bright spot on this team, as we all know, it's Sean Watson and the Patriots just had to contain this guy and they failed to do that. Uh, he was twenty-eight to thirty-seven for three hundred fifty yards, two touchdowns. He also re- he was also uh, very very effective in the running game. Six a carry with a touchdown. Um, I mean that
2: had- touchdown carry was incredible yeah. too. Yeah. Just absolutely wrecked McCourty. Yeah.
0: So I mean, this was like the one thing you had to contain, especially with a great secondary uh, that the Pats have. I mean, I-, I don't know. I think this defense is kind of been quietly the reason why this team has failed i mean we all knew this offense was going to be pretty um pretty um i don't know what the word to call it is but like limited very limited not not we they, we need yeah, would be very limited very traditional. so i mean with that you needed a great uh, effort from your defense this year and you failed to get that and I don't I really don't know why I think it's coming from the front seven but like you're looking at two stud corners and Gilmore and JC along with the McCordy brothers um, complimentary pieces like John Jones uh, Kyle Duggar I mean just a loaded 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 second the best second, um, I think in 20 years I really believe that so I don't, know, I don't know what the problem is, um, but, I mean, to move on, the Patriots' schedule type right now, I mean, it's – we
2: got the – It's not easy. Yeah. It is not an easy finishing what schedule.
1: A, what, a, what a string of quarterbacks we just had of Lamar, Deshaun, and then yep. And
0: then we'll face Justin Herbert.
2: Justin Herbert, yeah. A hot Rams yeah. team.
0: Then a Rams team on uh, Sunday night. And then a
2: sneaky Dolphins team.
0: Sneaky Dolphins team. And, I mean, whatever quarterback they throw at us, I mean, they still might be the favorites in that game. Probably will be the favorites. Yeah, it,
2: it's not even the quarterback I mean, play. That's really the crux of how they win that much. It's uh, defense stepping up, special teams making the plays, and they get a a nice catch from Devontae Parker or a good run from the run game or just something, something you don't expect. They're not a very traditional team yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. But uh, at least we end on a high note. We get to play the Jets the last week of the
0: season. Yeah. I mean, hey, we only beat the Jets no? by a field goal.
2: Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I feel like it might be a, a Dolphins scenario from last year. We went into that game thinking that it was just going to be the the easiest finish to the season we'd ever seen, and. Look how that turned out. Ryan Fitzpatrick just took a hold of yeah. us and didn't let go. But yeah, definitely. I, I, these these last six games are definitely going to be tough, but I think the Patriots, especially Cam Newton's got a chip on his shoulder. He, Like you said a, a few weeks ago when he was benched, it humbled him. I think it's really I, I think the underdog mentality for Cam Newton is incredibly dangerous. So If he has a goal that he needs to set out, and people are expecting something from him. I think he can go out and do that. And I, but I do think that starts with the run game. And against the Cardinals, Chargers, Rams, it's going to be a little tough because they've they've both got pretty solid front sevens, mm-hmm. uh, especially the Rams. Aaron Donald is just going to be putting it down our throats. But other than that, the Dolphins, Bills, Bills have a overrated defense in my opinion. Jets obviously poor as hell. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dolphins, if if you can avoid that big pick six or that big uh, I don't know fumble recovery or something that they usually get a game, then I think you can hang tight with them. Yeah. But oh, it's it's definitely going to be a tough finish with these last six games.
1: I I genuinely think in these last six games, I think we're going to go five. Really? And but will will nine and will nine and seven be enough for us to get in? I genuinely believe it because if you look at the scheduling of our games, we play the Chargers on I believe that's Sunday, and then we got the Rams that Thursday. So, and they're both in LA, so the Pats are just going to stay in LA for a week. So, traveling wise, that's a huge relief, right there. Mm -hmm. Then we go down to Miami, and then back up to Buffalo. I think I think just I think this these next three. Cardinals, Chargers, Rams. I think we're going to go two and one. And I think we have a. I think we have an extremely good chance of beating the Dolphins, Bills, and then obviously the Jets. I think. I think it's this is the time of the year where Bill Belichick shows why he's you know the greatest coach in the history of mankind in any sport. Or what? Anything.
0: Uh, what? What game do you think they will lose? If you had to guess,
1: I think. I think we will either lose the. Cardinals game or the Rams game? I don't know what it is with the Rams. I don't even think they're necessarily good. They just find ways to win games.
2: I think the most dangerous part about the Rams is how wide their, or how deep their receiving core is. They've got tight ends, receivers, uh, running backs out of the backfield that can just hit on all cylinders. And, like you said, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of good pieces on defense, but they've got to show up. And if if we can't contain uh Cooper cup he'll go for ten for a hundred or Robert woods will do a sneaky uh end around or something like that that they just gotta they gotta make sure that they're not fooled by uh this uh sneaky rams uh play calling so I think that that's what really hits the patriots the most is the sneaky play calling uh that people haven't really seen before because bill Belichick will shut down any traditional kind of offense that there is like he's seen it a million times, but something that you throw at him that you've never really seen before is where it starts to get a little shaky and I think uh not having uh high tower this season is definitely uh a product of that massive he's he's the he's the leader of that defense and it's kind of like it's kind of like a talented it's it, it's the defensive side of like the entire Chargers team or Texans team. We have all these pieces, J.C. Jackson, uh, Stefan Gilmore, but without like the leadership to kind of hold it all together, I think you, you get fooled by a lot more plays than we used to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hightower was – he was the guy that got better as the year went on. Uh, you saw it. I mean, the big plays in the Super Bowl he made, he was just – he was Mr. Clutch. I mean, I'm pretty sure Belichick called him Mr. February or something, Mr. January, something <laughs> like that. I remember hearing that. But uh, my prediction with the with these final six – um, I think the Pats come out with a win this week against the Cardinals. Mm, kind of surprised some people.
2: Uh, I'm scared of the Cardinals. Yeah, but
0: you know, I think that, I think that with just facing Deshaun, like Liam said, I think that Belichick is a very good coach at making adjustments. Uh, this is two very very similar quarterbacks. Kyler obviously has uh, Deshaun's old weapon and DeAndre Hopkins, but I mean, you throw Gilmore on him, you double cover him, uh. You, you take away, um, maybe put a spy out there for most of this game. Take away those big, big runs that he can rip off. I, I think you're looking with a win here. Uh, I do, I do really dislike the Rams matchup. Uh, I when I watch the Rams, especially last night, I, I kind of like think of their offense as like a jet. Like the, it starts from the ground. Like they'll they'll always throw like from behind the line of scrimmage, like screen play stuff like that. And then it explodes. It just takes off. They they have many blockers out there. Two two very, very, very tough receivers, underrated receivers. Uh I think the two most underrated receivers in the league probably play on the same team Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So I mean those those two are a very, very big uh task at hand there. Devin, you said it perfectly. They have two great tight ends, three very, very solid running backs. They are very, very deep on offense. McVay is a genius too. Um Let's not forget that he was in the Super Bowl just two years ago against us. That guy's a, a very, very, very talented uh, young head coach. So that that game I dislike a lot. But Chargers, you gotta beat you gotta beat the Chargers. Bad team, and then three divisional games. Do you come out do you on? think top? do you think
2: the do you think the Chargers will have uh, Austin Eckler by the time yeah. that we play yeah, them? I would think so.
0: I think he's ready. Like now, dude. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think
2: that's going to bump them up a bit, but I don't know if a running back will really change, but I, I do think that that's a, that's a must win again. It, it, it honestly scares me in terms of a matchup, but I, I do think the Patriot, like, especially with Bill Belichick uh, with his rookie quarterback record. I think, I think that's a lock away. Um, I'm scared. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue. I'll, I'll add my thoughts after.
0: Um, I was just going to finish up with that. You, Pretty much, you need four. You need four wins here. You absolutely need four wins because the AFC is pretty deep this year. The Raiders are right there. Um, obviously, our division is so so tough. Three very good teams. Um, I mean, you need four wins. You gotta be eight and eight going in. If you're seven to nine, you're just not gonna make the playoffs. But I mean, I don't know. It's four wins. That simple.
2: Um, yeah, so I think, I do think we can get four out of it. Um, the Cardinals scare me and the Rams scare me the most, but as a whole, I think we can beat the Chargers, Dolphins, Jets, and Bills. Bills, um, it was a close game. It was only a field goal differential in, uh, in
1: In a Cam Newton.
2: Yeah. And yeah, we almost like stole that game at the end. So I, I definitely think that, uh, this upcoming game against them will be a lot different and I think the game plan will be a lot more straightforward and not have as many holes that the the Bills can kind of pick at Mm -hmm. but I I think the Patriots going into the Jets last matchup I think there's no uh, I don't know I I want to say that there's no chance that we lose it but from how the the last game with the Jets went I don't really want to put that in stone but i i do think that's the most likely win that we have second uh, followed up by the chargers then probably dolphins bills cardinals rams yeah. but i i do think we can get four out of it but we're going to need we're going to need every bit of uh we need lock every bit of work everything. from the defense yeah. uh, we're going we're going to really need everything yeah. and, all
1: right, yeah. all right. Put, on, put on your stevie wonder glasses cuz i want you guys to blindly follow me here. Um, This is the Dolphins' remaining schedule. Jets, Bengals, Chiefs, us, Raiders, Bills. They are two games above us. Are there two losses in there?
2: I think there's four losses in there. Yes.
1: Okay, so you think there's more than that. So right then and there, we genuinely think we can catch the Dolphins for second place in the division. Mm -hmm. Now here's the Bills' remaining schedule. Chargers... 49ers, Steelers, Broncos, us, Dolphins. We are three games behind them. Are there three losses in
2: there? I don't know. Questionable. See, I think the Bills are the best team in this division to take advantage of easy matchups with just how many weapons they have on offense. Their running game is sneaky good. Don't sneak, uh, Don't sleep on moss. Uh, but I think that they can really take advantage of the bad teams more than... Uh, us or the Dolphins necessarily could. But I I don't think that there's three losses in there. I think the Bills are too good of a team. I think Josh Allen kind of got the smoke for a few weeks, and he's ready to come back and lead them to a playoff spot through the rest of the season. So if I, I'm hoping that there's three losses in there, uh, but I honestly don't see it happening. Yeah, I had,
0: I'd have to agree. I mean, you're looking at, honestly – like I'm not trying to call like specific matchups, but the Steelers are due for a loss, and that could be it. The Bills could beat the Steelers. They're due. This team is not finishing 16 and 0. It's not going to happen. They're too. I mean, we're looking at the the last team to do this was the 07 Patriots, and that team. Look at how much better that team was <laughs> than the Steelers team. Yeah. So I mean, this is. I just don't see it. I see them losing a game, especially to the Bills. Too tough. Matchup are two tough teams. Going to be a gritty game. I just don't see it. I I see the Bills finishing on top, no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, the the, the only way that we're going to be making it into the playoffs is by squeaking our way into one of those last uh, expanded playoff spots. Yeah. But I mean, it, a playoff spot is a playoff spot, and then it's a whole new game from there. So, Liam, any uh... all
0: right with some other big uh, games around the league this week? Uh, we saw. First off, that uh, Thursday night game with the Seahawks and Cardinals kick coming down to the wire there. Uh, Kyler Murray failing to tie that game up uh, on fourth down late in the game. Um, pretty pretty sick divisional battle there. I mean, now it's a split, seasonal split. Obviously, the Cardinals took that wild, wild game a couple of weeks ago in overtime, and now the Seahawks at home get the job done. Um, Kyler versus Russ is uh, probably one of the biggest, uh, I don't want to call it rivalries, but, I mean, two very talented quarterbacks in the same division duking it out. Quickly, with this game, I'll, I'll, I'll ask both of you, who do you like at the end of the day? Who, or I won't ask who beats each other in the playoffs, but who makes it further in the playoffs, Seahawks or Cardinals? Liam?
1: Um, I think it's a no-brainer, and I, get, I think it's the Seahawks. Uh, I think they're a team that's just the typical attitude of been there, done that. Um, they know these streets. They know this time of the season. It's Russell Wilson. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league right now. He's probably top three behind Mahomes and Lamar when Lamar's playing good. But mm. yeah, Lamar's Lamar is poopy this season. But. Going into the year, I think everyone had him slated at three. Um, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, their team is a little banged up right now, getting a little bit healthier. But, I mean, it's just a great coach and quarterback duo that's proven over time. And I think this Arizona team hasn't proven anything. So, I'm just going to keep betting on the horse that's been there, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Devin? <sighs> so, I want to pick the Seahawks. Based off of just what, like just a sentence that Liam said, it's Russ, it's Russell Wilson, and I think he he's dug him out of more holes that they can count on their hands. And but I don't know. I like the Cardinals to be honest, because especially deep into the playoffs, I think they can make a run off of just how they've developed over the season. Everybody had them as like a dark horse candidate at the beginning of the season, and it didn't really start off too hot. But in these past few weeks, I think Kyler, uh, their run game, DeAndre—they've—they've they've all showed that they can really be one of the most deadly offenses in the entire league. And that defense is no joke. Mm-hmm. Um, It—I think they were ranked up at the top in terms of scoring defense in the middle of the season, and I think that they can bring that back mm-hmm. easily so i'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a shot, and I'm gonna say that the Cardinals go deeper than the Seahawks this year. I think that Seahawks defense is a little too vulnerable. They've performed a bit better as of late, but I don't know. I think Kyler with his legs is a little more dangerous than Russ, maybe not in terms of a bail you out of a bad play situation, mm-hmm. but I think Kyler can make more shifty plays than Russ can, dump it off to Kenyon Drake or chase Edmonds out of the backfield, both great playmakers. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, but then on the other side you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and then Chris Carson. They're getting back, so it's it's really a toss up for me. But I'm gonna take a shot and say the Cardinals go deeper.
0: I'm gonna so this is it's a tough one, definitely. Uh, but I'm gonna count on Pete Carroll figuring out his defense. Ken Norton, there, that defensive coordinator. I mean, their their defense is in shambles. Honestly, they just haven't found a. A fit for Jamal uh, Jamal Adams. I mean, they traded the bag for this guy, and he really hasn't Mm -hmm. been all that great, all that uh, hyped up to be. But I mean, I I think at the end of the day, I'm taking the vet. I'm taking Russell Wilson um, over the rookie, or I mean, the playoff rookie, I should say. My bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like the Seahawks. It's definitely close, though. Two very, very similar teams.
1: Also, when it's like this close between the two quarterbacks, you just got to go with which one went to the better college to get a better education. And <laughs> I mean, the you know, the, the smarter guy Wisconsin's wins.
0: how they do with this week, Liam?
1: And we're not going to talk about that. I what the <laughs> fuck it is. Well, Wisconsin can never play against Northwestern. Northwestern just has Wisconsin's number. It makes no sense. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, before we get sidetracked, moving on. Next next game I want to talk about, um, the Titans and Ravens in a game where pregame, uh, pre-game antics got the best of both teams. Malcolm Butler versus John Harbaugh before the game, beefing <laughs> it at the 50-yard line. And then the Titans walk off with a win off uh, Derrick Henry's very, very great run. Into the end zone to end it. And then uh, the best part about this is John Harbaugh waving off Mike Rabel after the game for their handshake. This is awesome. John Harbaugh is such a pro. Yeah. He's such a sore loser. He is. He is. I hate him. I hate that team. I hate everything they stand for. I'll keep saying it. They're They're a phony team. The Titans beat them again. I'm so happy. Um the Ravens just aren't it man that the offense just doesn't work Lamar's being exposed I could rant on about it all day long but I will not because I want you guys to talk about it So Liam what's your take on this uh battle of AFC contenders
1: Um I wouldn't say the Ravens are a fraud team I would say they're hyped up more than they are uh, I think they're a very decent fraud team, team. They're a very fraud. they're a very good team that just gets perceived as like up there with the Chiefs, just based off of how they looked last season. So I'm not going to say that they're like a bad team, but I think this game, if it showed anything, I think it showed how good Tennessee is. Because I thought Tennessee looked phenomenal. Uh, they didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Tannehill looked really consistent, I thought. And I think just their game yes. plan of just really give it to the king and let King Henry take it to the house and just. I don't, I don't think. They, had a perfect game plan. I thought this game showed more how good Tennessee is than how poor Baltimore has been playing this season.
0: Dev?
2: Um, I, I do agree with Liam on this. I think it's more um, showing how how the Titans can hang with the best of them more than how much of a fraud the Ravens are. And I think I think we should say that the Ravens' offense is more of a fraud – than the team as a whole because their defense is legit. There's nothing there. There's barely any holes that you can really expose about that defense. And the only reason the Titans won because they got uh, a nice pass to AJ Brown towards the end of the game. And then, like you said, that, that run from King Henry, but yeah, this, this Ravens offense is is just not what everybody expected it to be. Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in the league last year. Uh, Hollywood Brown was one of the most entertaining receivers to watch last year. Lamar was obviously probably the most entertaining quarterback to watch last year. And I think everybody just focused their season around how to stop Lamar, how to stop the run game as a whole. They really don't have too much talent on that side of the ball, to be honest. With Hollywood Brown being arguably their best receiver, have it going for from three targets last game that is just un- undoable you can't you can't have that um lamar jackson i think people were a little too hyped up last year about his passing game progression i never really thought it was there i think he just had a little bit more um like high profile plays than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league so I don't know. I think it's definitely more on how good the Titans are because they started five and oh. People forget that. And then I think they lost three of their last they got, four.
1: They got hit with the um, COVID shit like we did, where uh basically it just put if you get like games postponed because of COVID, it pushes your whole season back. It's tough oh, to bounce yeah. back from that. Um,
2: yeah. But I, I definitely think that the Titans can make an AFC push. I think they're a very they're a very well coached team. I think they they don't quit until the the clock hits zero in the fourth quarter. And when you have a, the Tannehill AJ Brown connection, you're really not out of any yeah. game. And I get I wish I could say that with the Ravens, but I think if they go if they're trying to play from behind, there's no chance that they can win. Lamar is not as composed of a quarterback as most of the. Um, most of the opposing ones in the AFC, and, and I think if if they do make the um, the second round of the playoffs, I think they get bounced. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even in the first round, to be honest. But I mean, Colin Colin Cowherd at the beginning of the season said that they were probably one one of the uh, most likely contenders to be sixteen and zero. And there's definitely too much up in the air for that. But I I do think it's better on the Titans than yeah. the Ravens. Ravens fraud team Lamar baby quarterback. <laughs> uh, other fraud offense. I mean, not fraud team. I'm sorry.
0: Other uh, couple other big games. Uh, Colts Packers, but the the big game I really want to talk about is last night's game. Rams Bucks. Goff, Brady. Um, the Bucks just cannot win these prime time games. It, I don't get it. I mean, they're such a great great team on paper, but I mean Brady with two picks um really has not been all that great these past two weeks um he was in the MVP race for a little bit and I mean he now he's just seemed to fall completely off um and it, it's honestly been since Antonio Brown has joined the team and I don't get why I mean I really don't think he's like the reason because I don't think he's a cancer in this locker room I really don't I think he knows his place he knows where he stands especially being kind of mentored and told all these things by Brady considering he's living with the guy um but i mean since ab joins this offense um they kind of they really took a hit and a lot of and the big speculation is the whole uh too many mouths to feed type of deal with obviously the three big receivers there Gronk, Cam Brate, Leonard Fournette obviously pretty big in that passing game as well. Um what is wrong with the Bucks? Um sure yeah, Liam.
1: I just I just think they're they just shoot themselves in the foot. I think I think this year, I mean, I'm not the most avid Tampa Bay Buccaneer watcher. I'm not going to lie, I watch them when they're on cuz I love Brady. But right, this game last night and the uh Chicago game earlier in the season, I think that was a Thursday night game, another prime time game. I, I it's just it looks like they have the games won. It seems like they're playing well and then they just end up losing. I can't put my finger on what the hell is wrong with this team, but they just cannot find ways to come up when it counts. I don't think Antonio Brown's the problem. I just think I think it's a problem with Brady and Arians right now. I would say, is the main issue. I don't think it's uh, too many mouths to feed. I would say it's Brady and Arian's button heads on what they think that they should do. And, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I think I think there's still definitely a playoff team. They're probably not going to win the division anymore. But, I mean, all this, I just can't really put my finger on, like, what exactly is the reason why they're just underachieving.
2: Uh, personally, I think it's more of trying to implement Tom Brady into a young system, a new system, and it, it's just something that's going to take time, to be honest. And Tom Brady likes to have those blanket uh, receivers like he had in Edelman, uh, he had James White out of the backfield, Rex Burkhead, all those guys. He could rely on them, and with how inconsistent Mike Evans has been with how talented he is though, like you, you think you, you can rely on him to just go over the top 50% of the time, but it, it just hasn't been that way. And I don't think Tom Brady really has any blanket guys that he can look for every time, even if they are more talented or just as talented as the guys that I named from the Patriots. I, I think it's just establishing rapport with your receivers. And I don't think he can really do that over the course of his first year. So, I think it's just going to take time for Tom Brady to really develop a relationship with these guys. Uh, and that run game, Ronald Jones is legit. They, they got Fournette, and I think it kind of ate into what Ronald Jones does. He's a power runner. And then you just gotta, if he gets into that zone, you gotta just keep, you gotta hand him the yeah. rock, dude. You can't just, you can't mix it up. You can't be, you gotta do one thing or the other. And Tom Brady's not really a he, – he doesn't do play action too, too well uh, because you know that he's not a, a threat in the run game. So especially with a guy like a power runner like Ronald Jones, even Fournette's a power runner. I don't know why they don't rely on the run game a bit more, especially to develop a, a threat in a different way than just a passing game. Um, and I think that'll that'll open up more – opportunities for mike evans to go over the top chris godwin over the middle chris godwin's air yards actually went i think from 14 with Jameis last year to eight point something and then to six air yards per play wow. so it's it's definitely a difference between the type of football that tom brady plays versus the type of football that Jameis winston played whether he was playing for the offense yeah, or the defense <laughs> Even yeah, and exactly, but I just think that these receivers were too used to kind of a gung ho gunslinger type offense with Jameis Winston, and now that they're going to a more disciplined, um, in, in even having like uh, expectations in the back of their head, I think it's getting to them. So if Tom Brady can kind of rally the troops and get them a little more composed, I think they definitely have a shot to be a good playoff team i will never i will never bet against tom brady so when they're out of the playoffs that's what that's when i'll call it quits but until then i just can't bet against the guy the one
1: thing i gotta say about them too like it looks like all their losses are going to be against teams that are either in the playoffs or just barely going to miss the playoffs they lost the saints twice the rams and the bears so, the, like, they lost to four pretty good teams. It wasn't like they lost to any, like, cupcakes. And the two bad losses, if you were to call them that, the Rams and the Bears game, were decided by four points combined. So, I mean, it's – I think this is also, like, a team that's just a possession in each of these games away from it being, like, man, the, the Bucks. they're 9-2 and two right now, and – march into the playoffs but it's just they they got to find a way to win these games that Brady typically wins the close ones but they got a real test this week as they play the bucks i mean the bucks they play the chiefs so
2: how sick is that game going to be i think be? people the the chiefs game i think it i mean you, you can't have two star studded qbs and, on either team without having a f- fucking big huge uh, Hammer the over. Primetime game, Hammer so. But think so. Hammer the over be, for sure. It should be it's a def- legal
1: that definitely. Definitely shoot 425. out. Four twenty-five. That needs to be flexed to the eight o'clock spot. Yeah, definitely. That, that yeah. <laughs> Get it down
2: there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think people people are also forgetting how bad they beat the Raiders, the Packers and the Panthers. Panthers are a sneaky good team that can beat the best of them and can hang with the best of them. But and then as as soon as you look at the games where they blow out the Raiders and the Packers, you look at the games where the Giants hung tight with them, they got blown out by the Saints. Obviously the Rams was a team that people thought that the Bucks should be able to handle quite well with uh Brady's record against Jared Goff, but I, I it's it's honestly one of the most confusing teams for me because I can't really bet on them confidently, but I also can't bet against yeah. them confidently. So it's kind of a play-it-by-week type I, deal.
1: I got to ask this, because I'm pretty sure I've already asked Matt this on this show before, but do you think the Bucs were the team that was hurt the most by no preseason?
2: I definitely think they're one of them. I, don't, I think the no preseason is less of a what team is hurt the most as opposed to what teams kind of came out of it the best. Uh, I think that really shows mental toughness where some of these teams can just come out of no preseason and just mollywop these guys like the chiefs. They had no, they skipped no beats Uh, guys like the, I don't know, the Titans came out five and Oh, people weren't really expecting that with no preseason. Yeah. But Um, those are are teams
1: that had, guys already there like no big name became a chief no big name became a Titan like I'm talking like like look at the Bucs and the Pats for example two teams go into a season where you just kind of obviously they're two MVP quarterbacks but you just kind of throw them to the wolves well if there's
2: a if there's a team to be able to make it out of no preseason um, without skipping a beat it should have been Tom Brady that's what everybody was pretty much expecting, especially with how he uh, makes such good friends with every teammate on the team. He wants your phone number. He wants to meet you personally. He wants to know your kids, your wife. And I think that's that's something that people were expecting out of this team, and it's just something they didn't get from it. And I do think that they were hurt by no preseason, by no preseason but I think that they should have been one of the best teams with no preseason, personally.
0: Uh, I saw a tweet some guy from the Boston Globe and it really just like it hit me like holy shit Um, Tom Brady needs Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick needs Tom Brady and it's showed time and time again this year obviously the Patriots need Tom Brady in a countless amount of ways in terms of leadership um, clutchness just about everything Um, but Tom Brady does need Bill Belichick on his sideline in Tampa Bay. I'm not. I'm not saying anything like that, like him going, Bill Belichick going to Tampa. But uh, <laughs> the 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 lack of clutchness we've seen in Tom Brady's late game heroics this year shows. I mean, look at that interception with two and a half minutes to go, down four, I think, down three. That can't down happen. Three and he just tossed one to the corner the Rams corner it wasn't even close he was targeting Cameron Bray and the pass sailed like five yards over his head there was a clear utter communication uh miscommunication and those are the things that Belichick drills he drills that in practice he will run plays over and over again especially those plays where you know you're gonna save it uh to late game stuff like that and I don't know like what the the Bucks practice there and how they practice uh, those late game drives. Um, but I just don't think that would happen here or there. Even if Belichick was the coach on that sideline, I think you're looking at Brady leading a, a, a dr- touchdown drive to beat the Rams and to beat the bears too. So like, I don't know. I think that, that tweet, that quote from that uh, globe writer really hits it on the nail there. They both need each other so bad.
1: Oh, I- Absolutely, it's too. I'm trying to find like an analogy that would make sense here, but I can't. Um, <laughs> they they just need each other. We're like separate. Yeah, they're still good. Belichick this season's the anomaly for the Pats. Usually, will be good. Belichick's historically always had good seasons no matter. If he brought the Browns to the playoffs for Christ's sake. So, mm-hmm. I think they're both. Without each other, but when they're with each other, it's that rare once in a lifetime coach and quarterback connecting on the same page, on the same everything, and just magic happens. And it led to six times. But this, I think, this answers. I think the statement you just said summed it up more where people ask, I like, go, oh, who's better, Brady or Belichick? Who had more to contribute to the dynasty? I think I always give the same answer and it's they both they both have equal to contribute to this team's success. Mm-hmm. Brady couldn't have done it without Belichick and Belichick couldn't have done it without Brady. And I think it's evident this year where Brady was still in the pads. I firmly think that we're solidly in the playoffs and we're the division leaders. And if Belichick was the head coach of the Bucs, I mean they'd probably friggin' be undefeated.
2: Yeah. No doubt. I mean, I think, you, I think you just got to look at last year for the answer to that question, um, especially with a banged-up Edelman. He had a back injury almost all of last season, and I think his knee was a bit banged up last season too. But it's pretty much the same receiving core. Um, Brady had rapport with all these guys, and he – people were kind of knocking them for not being able to bring these like Joe Schmo practice squad guys deep into the playoffs. But I think, I think it really shows just how much Brady did with how little he had um, with how the Patriots are doing this year. When you, when you take guys like James White or Rex Burkhead or Julian Edelman, they're like role players in a, in on a basketball team. And, If you know how to use them and you do use them, then things will turn out well. But I think one of the Patriots' biggest downfalls this year with uh, Belichick is he doesn't really know what to focus on in that offense. Like He he defended uh, Cam Newton's big pass attack last game, and then the next game they'll throw 25 carries at Damian Harris. But I think last year was a lot more consistent where it was a running back by committee, Sony Michelle got the like the majority of the carries, but all the running backs kind of got equal touches. Um it was a it was an established system. And I don't want to say that Tom Brady's a system quarterback, but he definitely needs he needs something to be established for him to be able to rely on. If he if he thinks he can rely on you, but you're just not going to bring it, that's that's not on Tom Brady. That's on on you. You got to do better. And like like you said, that to- that that tweet explains it perfectly. Tom needs Belichick just as much as Belichick needs Brady, but and especially in this in this Buccaneers offense, with how young it is and how little rapport he has established with these guys, just shows the the talent that Bill Belichick can pick out on these role-playing guys, and I think Tom Brady does best with the role-playing guys as opposed to the big-name people. So, uh,
0: hit a lot of football. So, let's uh, get over to uh,
2: the Celtics. I wish there was more to talk about the you Celtics.
1: Have yeah. second. I have to mention, I hate to say it, I really do, but I genuinely might be an Indianapolis Colts fan this year. <laughs> I really love that team.
2: Something about Philip it's Rivers, man. Lit, it,
1: it's unprotected sex, and I love it. I'm all here for <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> I think you're a little biased towards Jonathan oh, Taylor. I think that's why you like that team.
1: Too, but, um,
2: yeah, I guess. I, I love, Naeem I Hines love, out of nowhere. Any,
1: any team that beats the Packers, I love.
2: It's just oh, I beat yeah.
1: the Packers so much. And
2: yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking just as good as they were last year. But I, I think that Aaron Rodgers is was definitely not given as much credit as he should have been last year. So,
1: I, think he, I but, think he sits on that one Super Bowl a little too much.
2: I do too. People give him a little too much credit as a talented it's thrower. say he's one of the greatest
1: quarterbacks doesn't. of all time. You take away one game from his career, he's a nobody. Not a nobody. Exactly. He's, he's like a regular quarterback. Bowl, they'd be talking about the Colts-Packers game as like, oh, Phillip Rivers won and Phillip Rivers too, yeah?
0: <laughs> that has.
2: I mean, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers would pretty much, without that Super Bowl, be the Dan Marino comparison yeah. where he's just one of the best quarterbacks to never win a Super yeah. Bowl. But. So. But
1: also, last thing, fuck the Steelers, piece of shit organization.
2: We can yeah. go up I was so down on them. I was so down on them at the beginning of the year. I I was I didn't bet it, but I wanted to take their under at nine and a half wins so bad. <laughs> so <laughs> bad. And then they passed that without a loss. That was definitely one of my worst takes of all I time. I still don't. And I've had some pretty bad I takes. I still don't think they're good enough to go deep. <laughs> Dude. They're, Dude, so good. they're 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 a
0: TikTok team, bro. They they're not going far. They don't scare me at oh, all. Oh,
2: come on, come on! That receiving core is nuts. While Juju has a Juju has a foot injury right now, Chase Claypool is a touchdown maker. Deontay Johnson is they feed that guy. He's electric. And then Ben Ben Roethlisberger is just out of nowhere performing ten times better than I think anybody really expected yeah, him to. He hasn't been throwing the interceptions that he's been known for. He stopped
1: for. jerking off, that's why. <laughs> maybe
0: maybe the maybe the Steelers can make their sad TikToks when they get bounced in the first round, because that's what's going to happen. But, I'm glad okay.
1: you're on the side now, Matt. Yeah, no. They're I don't like about those. It.
0: Easy schedule. They beat the Ravens. That's really yeah, that's it. That's what
1: Titans. I'm saying. They had a garbage schedule. They play the NFC East. Yeah. Four wins right no. there.
0: They pissed me off. I I don't like. I I really I like Juju and Claypool as players, but dude, like Juju's dancing on the fucking Jaguars logo before the game, like dude, come yeah. on, bro, get what the a, fuck out of here.
1: What a flex and on get that current organization. He does not even
0: mention the defense yet. A team
1: right. without their a team without their starting quarterback. You guys beat. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Shoot, almost maybe. almost lost to the cowboys. Yeah,
2: you guys are you guys are real good. No. All right, basketball. Yeah, basketball time. Sorry. So, the
0: Celtics were a team in which they really only needed to address a couple things. Uh they needed a big uh to match up with Joel Embiid, with Bam Adebayo, uh those guys in the east and they didn't do it. As of yet, they have not done that. Uh, we're still in the midst of the NBA offseason, but it does not look uh, likely that the Celtics will be adding any more uh, big-name pieces. Uh, they added Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, and that's it. They drafted two guys, uh, a sharp shooter out of Vanderbilt, and a tough guard. Uh, I don't really know what to call him. Just kind of like a spot-up shooter. Uh, just a very gritty point guard out of Oregon. Um, so the the Celtics obviously have addressed their, their backup point guards and Teague and this Pritchard kid. Uh, they get a better three-point shooter, something that I did think they needed. But uh, the big need in a five, uh, they get Tristan Thompson, who who might not even start for this team because Daniel Tice might out outwork him.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. Right. I think he's a lock it in starter for this team. I think Tristan Thompson is probably one of the best offseason moves that they've made in recent I. history. I, I, I think it's entirely underrated. I, I mean, on a letter letter scale, I'd probably give it like a B, because it addresses their needs, and uh, Tristan Thompson just got left in in Cleveland alone after LeBron left, so. If you look at it, if you look at his stats, it's really not too bad for the guy. He's put up, I think, double-digit rebounds and then I, like fifteen, fifteen points a game. If we can get a double-double out of a big like that, I think that's more than useful, especially on a cheap deal like that. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's a great and to signing. Chime
1: into what you said. The Celtics haven't had a player average uh, ten rebounds. I forget the exact year, but in like a very long time. And Tristan Thompson just religiously averages like ten and eleven.
2: Yeah, twelve and twelve and ten last season, and eleven and ten the season before. And that's with no no LeBron on yeah. those teams. I. So.
1: I I personally agree with you. I really like the Tristan Thompson move. I don't know if he's a lock-it-in starter, like night in, night out. I think him and Tice are going to switch off just depending on matchups. Just, personally.
2: I mean, that's what the Celtics yeah, have always personally.
1: done. Um, but I think, I think we definitely now have a – we're better than we were last year with our center rotation. I will say that. And I thought yes. the uh, – Smith kid that we got out of uh Vanderbilt great addition uh we need a little bit more three-point shooting so perfectly fine with that he was locked down at Vanderbilt last season and I just think I think the rotation at center I think was the huge issue for us in the postseason I think Thomas Tyson Rob Williams I think that's a pretty fine rotation at center power forward and then slide guys in
0: where they may, because I mean, we got more point guards than God, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, I don't know, man. It's just the whole... I, there were all those rumors with Hayward being signed and traded to uh, Indiana for Miles Turner. That was a blunder. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they missed out on Miles Turner, a guy who's like 26 years old in comparison to Tristan Thompson is 32. I get this is just kind of like a bridge gap center, but I mean, I just don't know. Like, Do you really think this guy can hang with Joel Embiid and Bam Adebayo? And Thomas, for
2: that matter. I don't think he needs to.
0: I,
1: I agree with Devin there. I don't think he needs to. I think he needs to just limit them and then have the rest of the team outperform the rest of everyone else's team. If Tristan Thompson... And Tice and Rob Williams, their rotation throughout the whole game shuts, holds, I wouldn't say shut down, but holds these guys like Embiid, like Adebayo to around, I don't know, like 17 and 12. That's a win. That's a win for the Celtics. And then the rest of the team just has to focus on outperforming the rest of their team. I think this is a perfect act. I think he, he brings also that championship. Experience that I don't think our teams had. I think I can't even remember the last guy that won a championship that was on the Celtics. I think it was Aaron Baines with the Spurs. I think it genuinely was Aaron Baines.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't, especially with how the big position in basketball has kind of been transitioning to more of a like do-it-all center, yeah. Like, Joel Embiid shooting threes. I wouldn't be surprised if Bam out of bio starts taking a few more. Um, I mean, Jameson Crowder, or not Jameson Crowder, sorry, Jay Crowder, um, he was, like, a notorious kind of big, powerful guy on the Celtics, and then he goes, switches a couple teams, and now he's red-hot from three on the on the heat. So, I don't think I don't think the big man is really the big man anymore. I think it's how dynamic can your big yeah. man be. And I think Daniel Tice is going to be the guy that we we throw up against the the down low Embiid, the down low uh Adebayo. So I think we're I think we're set for uh that, but I do think we need a bit more in terms of three-point shooting while Tatum can Bang one for the game winner every now and again. I don't think anybody's truly consistent at the three point line. And I think that shows most by how much I'm scared when Marcus Smart takes a three when he bangs <laughs> them a lot of the time. And I feel like I feel like that way about a lot of the Celtics players. I'm not entirely confident when they step up from the three point line, but I think Carson Edwards needs to be in this lineup a bit more, personally. That's my that's my hot take on the Celtics. I think he can be a a shorter spot up like kind of Klay Thompson, you know how he went off in that game with like 20 total dribbles. I think if you just feed him either in the corner or something like that, he'll he'll be able to do wonders for this team. And you saw you saw a short guy like uh Isaiah Thomas do it for us before, so it's not unheard her
1: I I genuinely think I agree with you though. Like the nerves do come in when a couple of these guys Pull. I mean, Marcus Smart, like, I think, like, broke our franchise record for like threes yeah. and a quarter in the playoffs or some shit. But
2: yeah, but I was scared, I was scared every time he
1: But so like, what I'm saying, if we're if we obviously had Naismith, he he's obviously a perimeter threat. He was, I think, fifty percent college. Yeah,
0: fifty-one percent from college three.
1: Absurd. So yeah. translate that to the ML, uh, MLB, to the NBA, probably going to be right around like thirty-seven to start, then move into the four.
2: Yeah, Lonzo Ball was like forty-something percent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look where he's at in the NBA. So, we'll 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 make an assessment when we uh, get there. I'd I, say in terms of three-point.
1: The Celtics instead of trying to build around the way the league's going, I say pivot into the way the league. Like, try to find the areas that basically aren't shined upon now. Like, go. Why not? Like, get points inside the paint. Have set up classic pick and rolls, and not rely on the three point shooting like is so common in the league. Because I think I think just the talent we have on our team, it doesn't feed to being a three point shooting team. It feeds to being more of a versatile, athletic, move the ball, quick, fast break team. And I think that that's where we need to start transitioning our game to instead of trying to just become what the rest of the league is.
0: For sure. So, I mean, definitely the Celtics upgraded. They're going to be a better team. They really didn't lose anyone besides Gordon Hayward, and that's a guy that was uh, pretty injury-prone while here, uh, even without the big injury.
1: Gained a loss of getting rid of Brad Wanamaker.
0: Yep. No more Brad Wanamaker. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Get I don't out. think Hayward's Hayward's loss is that that big. I really don't. Uh
2: I wish it was bigger, dude. He was one of my when we signed him, I couldn't have been happier for the Celtics. That is the guy that I wanted them to land and it just it, it's no indictment on Gordon Hayward as a player. I think that freak injury just he was never the same and I think it's just it's it's a shitty situation because you pay so much money for this guy and then after after the first season which he probably would have been worth that money he just wasn't worth it anymore and everybody was just railing on him but it, to be able to get off of him is great but i wish that they could have gotten something yeah. for him my yeah main, exactly
1: my main concern is what do i do with my gordon hayward jersey <laughs> don't know what to do painted blue just a guy we had for 2 years <laughs> essentially.
2: Yeah. I, I, I wish he could have been that franchise staple, but I guess we're just going to have to go all in on Tatum and Brown. And I think that's a very uh, unique situation that we're in um, kind of giving the team to like two basically very similar players. Like they can attack the rim like nobody else. They can spot up from three sneakily like J- uh, Jalen Brown has those three games in them, and so does Jason Tatum. Like I said earlier, he's made more game-winning shots than I can probably count on a hand. And I, I, I like the point that you made earlier, Liam, uh, how they should shy away from how the league is going and go more towards, like, kind of make their own solution to the the problems that they're going to face up against these other teams. Because you're not going to, with this Celtics team, you're not going to out three the Rockets or any team with James Harden on them or something like that. But I do think that their three point defense is good enough to where they can shut it down enough, shut the trend down of threes enough to battle back with paint points and battle back with just two point jumpers and then toss in a three every now and again. What I, what I think the the Celtics biggest problem was is when Jay Crowder got uh, hot last season and a few of the other uh, heat, players just got hot from three we didn't really do much about it besides trying to just battle with other three points with other three point three point shots and i think i think that's a great point how we should try and stray away from the typical league uh yeah like kind of style i guess i'd say yeah and more to a battling this the new style where you I, i think jason tatum can go if if Joel Embiid's hanging out by that three-point line and he wants to take those shots, we'll bring his three-point percentage down even more. I think it's just... It's a great defensive team. Marcus Smart, obviously. Jason Tatum just locked down Kawhi last season. That was incredible. And I think that's probably the most unappreciated part about this team is just how gritty they are and how they can hang with the best of them every single game. But they also shoot themselves in the foot with those three points. Yeah,
1: I think... I said to Matt before, during the regular season, the Celtics team had one on-court argument all year where they got verbal with each other, and it was Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum because they were arguing on which one of them wanted to guard uh, Jason Martin. They wanted them. They want the best scorers. They This is a team that loves playing defense. The fact that they were going... And luckily, Jalen wasn't even around because he probably would have gotten into that argument too. These are guys that have the potential, have the ability... Have everything in their power to be this to be one of the best defensive teams we've seen in a very long time. Our big men aren't flashy; they're just gritty. We had Tristan Thompson; he's going to be another post present. We still have Brown, all defensive team. Marcus Smart, All-Star Jason Tatum. The this team has potential to basically create their own path. Don't don't go in the way the league's going because if you look at the East right now. Brooklyn, they're, Katie's going to come back, not the same player. No one does from an Achilles injury. Unfortunately, it sucks to say, but Brooklyn, they're probably going to rely on the three-point shot. Katie's going to be less athletic than he used to be. He's probably going to have to rely more on the three-point shot. We lost to the Heat because of the three-point shot. And then you throw in teams. Uh, those are the two teams, I think, that are the best in the East right now. And he's throwing Milwaukee, who's adding players, and still has the best player in the East. You look at Toronto, who's still a force to be reckoned with. I think the way to go about it isn't we need to start playing like these guys to match up with them. I think we need to find matchups that makes other teams uncomfortable, and that if other teams are uncomfortable, that leads to our success. Sorry, I went on a little bit of a rant there.
2: No, I mean, uh, did with brad stevens uh i think it was either last year or two years ago um he got asked like who would play a specific position and he said we're basically positionless and i think that's the best way to go about it because if you kind of stick to the trends then you're gonna be kind of feeding into a system and if you can kind of personalize your offense a bit more where it's a little more unpredictable and with brad stevens i think you got a great shot with that but I, I think that's that's a, a great point that goes a lot, yeah, so in a, uh, very underappreciated. Uh, Eastern
0: Conference. I think the Celtics will definitely be in a lot better of a shape next season as
2: opposed to where they were. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They
2: almost made the finals.
1: We're right there. Like the, pe- pe-
2: yeah, people, were, people are slighting them at the end of the season and we only really got better and we got rid of some some things that we were trying to hold on to with Gordon Hayward. Uh, I don't really think Wanamaker was too much of the system anyways, but it's just uh, being able to filter in new talent. Jeff Teague is, I think he's a player. I think he's something, somebody that we could uh, make a lot of use of. And it just this Celtics team just seems different, yeah. I guess, so, than a lot of the, the, the other teams thing, out there.
0: What, a month? We're looking at a month till they start?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Real. Yeah. Mistake, yeah. I'm excited. It's going to be exciting because I think this... I I really like the Celtics team just because I think it's... this. I think this is the team that is slowly formulating into the way where... It's basically the passing of the torch where I expect firmly this year to be the year where Tatum makes the All-Star game again and continues to just climb in MVP voting. Brown makes an all-star game. Uh, Kemba makes an all-star game. And Marcus Smart makes another all-defensive team. Because I really think that those four guys I just named are, if they were on any other team, they would be the stars yeah. of the team that we just have now yep. for.
2: Exactly. And I, I think that's the Celtics' biggest problem is who to feed on a nightly basis. But I think when you give when you've given Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum the contracts that you have, I think they might be inclined to try and feed them a bit more. So I think I'm I'm a little worried about that, but I, I, I don't it's think that Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown really has the ego. Like maybe if we paid Kyrie, the big bag, like he would expect the ball thir- the expect to shoot like 30 times a game. I don't think Jason Tatum is going to go into the, the game expecting to shoot 30 times a game. He might at some point, but that'll be when he's called on. So I I think that's one of the the Celtics' biggest um, boons this season is that they really won't have to rely on one specific guy.
1: And one thing I just got to credit real quick, Ainge is just a goddamn genius when it comes to some of these contracts because the fact that we have Marcus Smart for 12 mil is the biggest steal in the NBA right now. And the fact that we didn't have to pay Brown the max is also a steal. Like, those are just two unbelievably high potential players. One of them's already reaching his potential. We're paying an all defensive first team point guard $12 million a year. When in ordinary situations, those are max guys, and we got him for 12. Yeah. He's a genius. (laughs) Goddamn genius. And Ainge, we trust.
2: An age we trust with contracts, I'd say. I think he could have done a bit better with the, the whole Gordon Hayward situation, uh, trying to get something for him. But he's, he's never really been too historically great in terms of trades. I mean, he did the whole Ooh. the whole Ooh. Brooklyn trade. Two pieces, but... the
1: Brooklyn and the Cleveland trade. Kyrie didn't work I out guess, but that never really turned that in. That didn't work out. But just, I, don't I don't know. know. Yeah, it was great it on was.
2: paper. It was great on paper, I will agree, so in re- in recent time he i think he should prove himself a bit more but i i do agree with you on these contracts we're getting a lot of hometown guys at at these discounts I'll say that this, don't we expect wouldn't it normally get them but on Gordon Hayward has him. yet
0: to officially sign with the hornets so there have been speculations saying the Celtics and Hornets could be working something out but there are the people saying that there's nothing really on this on the Hornets roster that's worth trading for i mean they they're paying they're overpaying their big man Cody Zeller. Uh, they have Terry Rozier on an awful contract. Um, there's really not much else in that team. Miles Bridges would be like the only guy that Dude. I think entices the Celtics. Maybe some other bench pieces.
1: You stink. Yeah. They are still not a good team, even yeah. with Hayward and Ball. They stink. They will not make the playoffs <laughs> this year. I guarantee. Dude, they are all bad they contracts. Are,
2: no. They won't make a playoffs in a long time, for a long time.
1: Yeah, and then they finally are getting off of all their bad contracts, and then they put on the Hayward contract. <laughs> yeah. They get another bad they, contract.
2: They they're, they're not trying to rebuild it all. They're just like they want to be contenders when they're really not meant to at this time. You just got to take the – or bite the bullet and – just say screw it and we'll try to win some games this season but i think that gordon hayward signing is awful because yeah. that kind of puts them in a hole for the next what is it a 4 year contract and they gave them, or they're, they're gonna give him or they they're going to give him like 96 million in uh guaranteed and that's just oh that yeah. is a lot of money that they could probably resource they, elsewhere and maybe like a bunch of role players or something
1: on draft night, I was like, oh, like, they're actually going to be confident now. They made the, the – I, I thought was an all right pick. I'm not high on ball, but, like, it was the consensus, good pick. He's a good player. I, I think he's going to be better than his brother. So, I was like, oh, crap. They're, like, turning it around. They're starting to become good. And then, bam, Gordon Hayward for an absurd contract, just as they're getting off these absurd contracts because Michael Jordan refuses to put forth – any team that he deems is the the best that they can do, just bite the bullet, suck for a couple of years because you already suck. You got your franchise piece already. Just bite the bullet, let it happen, yeah. and just let the team, let the boys run.
2: Yeah, it almost reminds me of the um, the Chandler Parsons oh. contract, how that like how that ended up working out, and I I'm getting similar I vibes. God but... about him.
1: What a throw.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's he's probably one of the all-time worst contracts in Dude, NBA they history. All, they,
1: the Hornets paid. Thing. I think they still have yeah. Tyler Zeller for like 19 mil a year. It's they are so bad yeah. with contracts. It's not even funny.
2: I mean, they're not really a high-profile city, but- so or, well, in terms of like basketball esque, but and, and, and I think that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get star-studded talent to like bring attention to the city to have more people come. But like I said earlier, I think they, they need to just say, screw it and rebuild and get as much money as they can to try and put it in places with uh, better better outlooks and a bit higher ceilings on the other end than signing somebody like Gordon Hayward, who has only really proven to be the guy on one team. And he was arguably not even like the guy on that team. He was dropping like 20 a game maybe. That's, like, the second or third guy on some other teams. So, especially with the money that they're giving him, I think that's just down the drain. Not just worth real it.
1: quick. Here's the Hornets, who they're still paying. Ask me if you, like, remember the last time these guys were good. Cody Zeller, 15 mil a year. Mm-hmm. Terry Rozier, 20 mil a year. No. Jordan Hayward, supposed to be $32 million a year. <laughs> Bismack Biombo, 17 mil a year, and them, 25 mil a year. Those are dumb Con. I get guys who want to go there, but come on, you don't need to pay that much. Those, that's absurd. No. 20 a year for Terry Rozier, and 15 <laughs> for Cody fucking Zeller. Come on. Get-
2: that is one thing that I'll, I'll credit this, the Celtics with, is they – they get off of bad situations with players very quickly. Like, they, they knew what they didn't have in Gordon Hayward after the season, so they they made their best efforts to just, like, I mean, he he declined the player option, but I think it was inevitable that he was going somebody somewhere, even if they had to sign and trade him. Uh, but somebody like Terry Rozier, he's making 20 mil a year there, and it's just the Celtics knew that he wasn't worth that. So And then he goes somewhere else, and he works in a system like the Celtics where he's not the guy all the time. And I think it's a very Patriots-esque situation where um, these players aren't given the big dog roles, and then they're expected to be, be the big dog Horbridge? in their new team, and it just doesn't work out. And they get all this big money. and. Um, yeah.
1: Boy, does
0: he suck. All right. uh, we're kind of – at an hour – Fifteen hour twenty, so we'll wrap things up. I don't want to give too long of an episode to our uh, viewers. Uh, we'll raffle off some picks real quick.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, we'll probably just go in the same orders right. before. Yeah
1: you guys go first. I forgot to pull up Fanduel. Go ahead,
0: Jeff.
2: <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I have my picks. If you want yeah, me to ready? go,
1: go. I'll, I'll end. I'll end.
2: For this week. Um, I'm taking the Steelers minus four. That's like the general consensus on uh, odds. I think that's just an easy game. That is, uh, they're they're not going to have J.K. Dobbins or Mark Ingram for this one. Gus Edwards isn't a threat out of the pass game. They don't even have a pass game as it is. Steelers arguably best defense in the league. I think that's an easy take. Uh, minus four to four and a half. And then I think the Vikings, I think the Vikings are just going to run it down the Panthers' throat. All right, I'll go next. So those are my um, two picks game for the week. I
0: like is, which one do I want to say first here? Hold on a sec. Um, I'm going to go with the over in the Vegas-Atlanta uh, game. It's a lot of points, but, I mean, these two teams can sling it and the Raiders can run it. 55.5, I really like the over, I do. I think the, the Falcons can easily score 20. I think the Raiders will win this game with ease. The Falcons can score 20, 25, even 30, and so can the Raiders. Yeah. You saw it last week against the Chiefs. Chiefs do have a pretty solid defense, too. Um, two two pretty bad defenses here. Um, I do no like joke. the over as high as it is. Next game uh, that I like here is the Chargers, plus six against the Bills. Um, And I would hit the over in that game as well. Uh, Justin Herbert just slings the ball around. He's going to throw 35, 40, maybe even 45 times. Uh, They just love throwing it with him, even if Eckler's back in this one. Um, Just that that air attack that the the Chargers provide, um, I I think that six points is a lot uh, given with the Bills, not really that big of a threat. Um, Chargers, plus six in the over, whichever one you want. And the last game I like is the Bucks plus three. I'd even consider the money line there. They're at home. Um, bad loss for Brady. Uh, I just, I just like Brady in a big matchup against Mahomes. I do. I really do. I think the Chiefs uh, squeaked one out in against Vegas this week. Um, the Bucks will be fired up. Uh, they know this is this is a big game. They've circled this one for a while. Uh, Bucks minus or Bucks plus three. Those are my picks.
1: All right. That swings it to me. Uh, So I'm going to do the McCarron Turkey Day triple pick here. Uh, I'm going to go for the
2: The classic.
1: So I got the Washington football team plus two and a half against the Cowboys. Uh, Washington stinks, but the Cowboys stink even more. So go with Washington. Then I would also take Houston in the one one o'clock game. Houston minus three against the Lions. Um, I just really think that the two teams that historically play on Thanksgiving aren't going to do well, mainly because I think both of them are underperforming this year. So take Houston to cover. And then in a shocker, take the Ravens' money line. Steelers are a joke. Ravens Ravens will not lose three.
2: Ravens will
1: not lose three in a row. All right. And then,
2: I like it. I think I think they'll I like lose it. seventeen in a row. I don't like that and team. And
1: then on Saturday, Ohio State minus twenty-seven and a half. Ohio State is really fucking good. <laughs> so they're playing Illinois. It doesn't matter who Ohio State's playing. Take Ohio State in every game. And then also on Saturday, Michigan's playing Penn State. Michigan's only minus two and a half. Michigan stinks this year, but Penn State stinks significantly worse so take michigan and then my final pick and i believe this fight is this weekend uh mike tyson versus roy jones jr <laughs> listen remember you ever watch clips of tysons from the 80s and the 90s this guy used to kill guys in the ring tyson still got it take mike tyson minus 230 easy money <laughs> uh, yeah now uh-huh. it does it <laughs>
2: Oh when yeah, you said though. picks I was I was really this, I wasn't He's expecting best bet on it
0: just about everything you can think of dude like fencing just <laughs> everything Australian <laughs> stuff dude I
2: don't even know
1: <laughs> I I I only, I only I pick love, them if I like the odds it's just that
2: simple. the the McCarran <laughs> triple turkey day picks I like that <laughs> turkey that's turkey a year round special. thing ladder, yeah. a triple threat <laughs> the turkey did triple letter.
0: So uh, that'll pretty much leave Saving us off after picks. So, uh, Devin, thank you for coming on. And like I said before, look for Devin. He's going to probably course, be me. Um, kicking us off on the blog. He's going to be kind of reiterating what we just talked about with the Celtics. But for those of you who too lazy to come on here and listen, you can go on and read about it. So, um, yeah. Look for the blog. This is the website coming shortly. Uh, This has been episode number 37. Uh, We'll see you next time. Peace out.